We are in our series called God Is. We continue our series and where we're covering the main attributes of God. And uh, so today is part four. God is faithful. God is faithful. If you have your bulletins, there's a little bulletin insert that you can take out, follow along. There's information on the front and the back that you can fill in some blanks. Uh, my absolute favorite time of day is when I walk in the door of my house at the end of my work day. I walk inside my house, and within five seconds, I hear shouts of joy. Daddy's home! Daddy's home! The twins, my teenagers don't really care. But my twins, the twins run to the steps of the house, and we live in a split-level house, so when I walk in, it's either up or down. I have to make a decision. It's, there's no room for you know, indecisiveness in this house. You must make a decision. And, and so the babies are upstairs in the upstairs living room. And so I, 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 I'm greeted. You know, they're hanging on to the banister, and they're at the front steps and top of the steps. And Daddy's home. And they greet me with smiles and giggles. And it is the best way to come home. And if you have a home filled with, with moody teenagers, get a toddler. It's not too late. <laughs> Biologically, it may be, but there are lots of kids up for adoption. They will greet you with shouts of joy. One time, Gideon shouted, you came back to us. <laughs> and so I said, I will always come home to you. And I get hugs, and I get kisses, and they tell me about their day. And, and Sam's favorite thing is to kiss your neck and just giggle. And it's crazy ticklish when he does that because he doesn't really kiss your neck. He just puts his, his face right in your neck and just giggles. And you want to, like, throw him across the room. It, it, it tickles so much, but you don't do that. And some, some days, you know, I, I leave for work before they even wake up. And then there are some nights where I have meetings or I have to go to the gym or whatever, and I'm not home when they get put to bed. But they know... I will always come home to them because there is nowhere else that I would rather be. I can leave the house at any time, and they know I will always come back to them. And over, because over the nearly four years, like they're almost four years now, I have proven my faithfulness to them. And so if I go to the store, there's no doubt whether daddy will come home. Gideon even will sing a song that he learned on a TV show. Grown-ups, come back. And any time one of them starts to worry a little bit, Dad's been gone for a while. I, I thought he was just picking up a few things from Walmart. You know, they, they don't have to worry about it. They'll sing that song, or, or one of us will remind them, Oh, grown-ups, come back. But the truth is, not all grown-ups do come back. Some dads go out for a gallon of milk, with the intention of never coming home. Some parents drive out to an empty field so they can commit suicide. Some spouses look for greener pastures and they leave their family behind for a new life and a new family. We have been let down, abandoned, forgotten, rejected, 
And when we, tr- when we show our true personality or we show our scars from previous wounds, whether they be physical or emotional, a person that loved us chose to leave us. Promises of faithfulness are then sometimes met with the response, well, we'll see. Because we can no longer give ourselves wholly to a loving relationship because we're waiting to be abandoned. We're waiting to be rejected. We're waiting to be left and let down like the previous times. And because we hear these stories or because possibly we experience the unfaithfulness of a parent or a friend or in a relationship, we can find it hard to comprehend a God who knows every dirty little secret in our life and yet is still faithful to us. We like the idea of a God who knows us and loves us, but we can still struggle to completely believe that. The good news is that if we will accept the Bible's testimony of God, what it says about him, and what he says about himself, then we will see a clear picture of the faithfulness of God. The Bible demonstrates that time and time and time again, he is faithful. The first thing that we see about God from Scripture is He is faithful, meaning he always keeps his word. He is faithful, meaning he always keeps his word. Not sometimes, not most times, all the time. God always keeps his word. Always, always, always. If he said it, he will do it. Moses said about God in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This word faithful or the word faithfulness is a prevalent theme in the Bible. And it would only take one person, it would only take one instance in the Bible to demonstrate if God is not faithful. But you won't ever find that in the Bible. The scriptures talk about his faithfulness because he has demonstrated it for over 6,000 years of human history. Now you might think, well, God has promised me something and it hasn't happened yet. Well, Look at the promise. Remember when Isaiah prophesied details about the Messiah's birth. They didn't happen for 600 years. Abraham and... I know, you're like, well, I don't have that kind of time, Jesus. Well, the promise wasn't for Isaiah. It was for us and the future. But remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, a story many of us know very well. God promised them they would have a son. Well, they can't wait 600 years for that. They needed a baby. They wanted a baby, and they were ready to have a child. They wanted a baby. Well, they waited for 25 years from the first promise until the cry of newborn Isaac, 25 years. You see, they, were too, they considered themselves too old at the time. Abraham was 75. 
Sarah was 65, and they said about themselves, we are past the age of giving or having a child. They thought it was impossible. When God promised it to them, and just to prove that nothing is impossible with God, he waited 25 years until Isaac was born. God doesn't need you to do the impossible. He'll do that. He just needs you to be obedient and be faithful to him. He will be faithful to you and the promise that he's made to you. God even said about himself in Exodus 34 that he is a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This word for faithfulness in Hebrew is the word emet, which means truth. So if he said it, he is true and faithful to do it. The thing that he said becomes truth. This helps us, gives us another understanding when Jesus self-identified as the way, the truth, or the true and faithful one, and the life. Now, a lot of you know this story, but just for the sake of it fits with this message, um, the Lord spoke to Angela and I that she would get pregnant and we would have a baby. And month after month, there was no evidence of that. Every pregnancy test was negative. Every time we got our hopes up at a possible pregnancy, we were disappointed. And it took a toll on us emotionally. It would have been really easy for us to give up this dream, this desire for a baby. It would have been really easy to just go about our lives, to get busy with careers and, and, and hobbies and not give it a second thought. It would have been really easy to say, well, maybe we wanted it so badly that we made it up. Maybe we wanted to have a baby so badly that it was really us saying to ourselves that we were going to have a baby. But we knew that we knew that we knew that God had spoken. And when God speaks in an impossible situation, his word is all that you need. Why? Because he is a faithful God. His words are truth. His words are life-giving. When he speaks, mountains move. When he speaks, miracles happen. When he speaks, lives are restored. When he speaks, Healing manifest. When he speaks, dead things come to life at his word. Just so there's no doubt in your mind, I highly encourage you read the entire chapter of Isaiah 55 and you will hear what God says on this issue. He was promising blessing to Israel. He was promising restoration and miracles and provision. And when all they could see were thorns and thistles, God promised abundant crops. When all they could see was circumstances, God told them not to limit their faith on only what they see. So we're going to read a couple verses in that chapter so you can know God's position on his own faithfulness. Isaiah 55, 
verses 8 through 11. It says, God is speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout. Jesus is, God is giving us an analogy here. It, the water and the snow, they give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word will be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When words come out of God's mouth, they will do what he said. His words do not return back to him void, invalid, or unfulfilled. His words accomplish what he sent them to do. His words succeed. His word prospers. His word is fulfilled. His word advances against the things that try to hold it back. God is faithful because God always keeps his word. Number two, he's not more faithful to some than he is to others. Understand that he's not more faithful to some people than he is to others. There are people who will be loyal to you for a price. Some judges will take bribes to give justice to the highest bidder. We recently had a, a, a communication from one of our missionaries, and they sent us a prayer request, and they said visas in their country are only being offered if they will bribe the judge. And they said, we need you to pray for a miracle so we can get a visa because we will not pay a bribe. Is this how God behaves? Will God do more for me if I can somehow become his favorite? Well, 2 Chronicles 19.7 says, Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God, or partiality, or taking bribes. Luke, in Luke uh, chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus was praised for not showing partiality towards people. And you know they were looking for any excuse to condemn him. But they actually praised him because he didn't show favoritism. He didn't show partiality. Peter said in Acts 10.34, God shows no partiality. Paul wrote in Romans 2.11, for God, literally, quoting, for God shows no partiality. Then Paul said the same thing in Galatians 2, Ephesians 6, Colossians 3. James condemned partiality among Christians. So if God shows no partiality and no favoritism, that means he's not more faithful to some of his children than he is to others. What he did for one, he can do for another. Don't think that because I'm a pastor that God is somehow more faithful to me than he would be to you. Understand, his baseline, his standard, his minimum activity is 100% faithful. If he promised you something and it hasn't come to pass yet, 
don't despair. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's anything that you're doing or anything that you're not doing that is hindering the work of God in your life. Maybe you have unforgiveness in your heart and you have been hindering God's promise what he wants to do in your life. We know from Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 23, forgiving one another is a key to receiving God's blessings. Maybe you've let bitterness take root in your heart, seeing what God has done for other people, becoming bitter, becoming jealous and angry that it hasn't happened for you yet. The truth is, God wants to do the thing that he has promised, but you may be hindering that promise from coming to fulfillment. Pray about it and let God speak to you because either he'll reiterate his promise that he intends to be faithful, he will be faithful, and he will do the thing. It's just not the right timing, or he will reveal to you what it is that is hindering his timing. Only God knows about those issues. When God spoke to me one day, we were really frustrated, and and I was just like, I need to hear from the Lord about this issue. We we really wanted to get pregnant. It wasn't happening. And I got in the car, drove, got some Starbucks, sat in the parking lot, just began to pray, and the Lord said, it will happen, but the timing isn't right. And I said, Lord, haven't you ever heard the phrase, there's no time like the present? So he just reminded me, I'm kind of in charge of this. I'm in charge of this. So you just wait. Just wait. But don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. It'll happen. But timing is so important. And we have seen. Now, I don't know why Samuel and Gideon couldn't have been born one week before or one month before or one year before they were. I don't know why. Only God knows those issues of timing. But here's what I do know. When we surrendered to his timing, when we said we will obey even when we don't understand, we will surrender to you, we knew he would keep his promise, even if we had to wait a little bit. And it's possible that if things had happened differently and it had happened one week, one month, one year earlier, we would have only gotten one baby. But Jesus was running a two-for-one special that week. That day, it was buy one, get one free. We're just not really sure which one was the freebie. Just depends on which one is more obedient. Less sassy. Some days it's, uh, it's tough, 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 tough to determine which one is less sassy. Number three, since he has proven himself faithful in the past, He is faithful for the future. He has proven himself faithful in the past. He is faithful for the future. You can read hundreds, if not thousands, of stories from the Bible, and you will see the faithfulness of God throughout generations. We know he's a faithful God. But what about the future? Well, God spoke through a prophet, and said in Numbers twenty three nineteen, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? 
God said in Malachi 3, 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. The writer of Hebrews declared in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, what was Jesus yesterday? He was faithful. What is Jesus today? He is faithful. What will Jesus be in the future? Tomorrow, the next day, the next month, and the next year and forever? He will be faithful. He cannot say one thing and do another. He cannot promise something and then not fulfill it. He cannot do that. He will not do that because it goes against his very nature and character that he established about himself. He is faithful and he cannot be unfaithful. Numbers 23 reminds us of that, that God is not a man that he should lie or change his mind. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will fulfill it. On the back of your bulletin insert are a list of scriptures that I highly recommend that you memorize. Because when you hit a situation where all you can think about, all you can see are the obstacles that are in front of you, these reminders of God's unwavering faithfulness will set your heart at peace. God is always faithful. Always, always, always. Always faithful. Many times we get discouraged because all we see are the obstacles. All we see are the impossibilities. When Angela and I realized that we were going to, if we were going to have a child, we were going to have to pursue fertility treatments, we Googled it. The price list. It was daunting. It was impossible. It was beyond our ability. We could not afford that. I mean, we could barely afford the consult, the blood draw. That's the first thing they do. Sign a piece of paper. That's 20 bucks right there. And we didn't have that. We didn't have the ability to do that. And, and we prayed and prayed and prayed. And the Lord, uh, the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to have every expense paid for. We had done the work. We knew how much it was going to cost. We had written it off and said, well, Lord, you're just going to have to work a miracle. We believe that you can. And the Lord says, ah, but there's a different miracle. We're going to work. And we had a, a contact from, and I know a lot of you all know this story, but it, it bears repeating in this specific instance, where we had a family member contact us, and they said, if someone was willing to pay for all of the procedures for you to get pregnant, would you accept that kind of gift? And I mean, I'm just like, we were like, what? And so we said, I mean, this is, uh, this is expensive. And they're like, I know, I know. We're, and they were in the medical field, in the medical industry, and they said, we know the cost. We know the commitment it will take. If, they're willing, if, we, if, if we're willing to pay for it, are you willing to accept it? Now, I've never been a problem. I, I've never had a problem receiving pretty audacious gifts. I like getting I'm a gift giver. I love to receive gifts. You can give me the most extravagant thing in the world. I will greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. But it was a shock because we said, look, this is, this is expensive. And we're, we're in it 
to get a baby. So you need to be committed that even if it takes the most expensive procedure that you're willing to stick with this. And they said, we got it. We want to do it. And so we, uh, we started making the phone calls and getting the appointments set up. And, and uh, they got us their American Express that uh, I don't think had a limit. And if it did, it was big. And because uh, every time we went to the doctor, they said, just swipe. It was the most amazing feeling in the world <laughs> to use a credit card and not get the bill. And we were able to walk out of the hospital with two amazing little boys. God blessed us with. God showed himself faithful. And again, remember, he didn't expect us to do the impossible. He knew we didn't have the money for it. He knew, he, he knew how he was going to create this opportunity for us to have not one but two little amazing future preachers. I don't know what they're going to be. But, but God showed himself faithful. He did what was impossible for us. And f- you know, from our position, all we could see were the obstacles. All we could see was the bills and the, the expenses and, and the procedures and just the impossibility of it all. And then God is drawing us to himself, trying to remind us of his past faithfulness. And he'll tell us, hey, in this situation, 20 years ago, when you faced an impossibility, was I, was I with you? Did I handle it then? Have I changed? Have I somehow become less faithful over your lifetime? Or have you been able to trust me more and more and more because you've seen my hand at work? You've seen me open doors that nobody could open. You've seen me close things that nobody could open. You've seen me work miracles time and time and time again. Perfect timing. Have I not shown you how faithful I am? And in that moment, yeah, absolutely, Lord, you have shown yourself faithful time and time and time again. Over my entire lifetime, with my parents, just believing God for their two boys to be born. Now believing for this, these two boys to be born. He's shown himself faithful. He's not more faithful to me than he will be to you. His baseline, his standard, his minimum is 100% faithful. If he said it, he'll do it. And all that needs to do in your mind, if, if you're holding on to a promise of, of God, that at that point, when he says, if I said it, I'll do it, then we just begin to thank him. Lord, we don't see it. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. When Jesus yelled, Lazarus, come forth outside of the grave. Lazarus had been dead for four days. You know not a single person was moving or talking or making any noise. Every baby was shushed. Every teenager was shushed. Everybody was waiting. What is going to happen? And all of a sudden, through the darkness, Lazarus breaks into the sun, walking up the steps of that tomb, bound head, head to toe, alive, perfectly healthy and whole. 
but they had to wait. Martha could have said, no, 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 no. roll the stone back, roll the stone back. Lazarus would be, <laughs> I don't know. That's a terrible impression of a mummy. Rrr. He's bound. He can't bang on the you know, rock. He can't push it away. They had to roll it away, and then Lazarus comes forth. But it is an amazing thing where there are times where God expects us to wait. He calls us to wait. He needs us to wait. And we have to be okay in the waiting. Be okay in the waiting. Sometimes God shelves you. He hides you. He needs you to wait. Because he's going to do something in your life that you can only do when you're in the shadow. Only when you're in the shadow of his wings. Only when you're on the shelf. He's trying to do something. Because when God puts you forth, when he puts you in this new ministry opportunity, this new job, this new endeavor, that's when he needs you to be in communion with him so that your steps match his steps. He'll be faithful to you. Always, always, always. Worship team, come on up. I don't know what you specifically are depending on God for, what you're waiting on God for, what you're believing God for. For some people, it could be their next meal. It could be your next pregnancy. It could be your next job, your next business endeavor. It could be the salvation or the restoration of a loved one. It could be something else altogether. All I know is that the God we serve is faithful. Always, all times. He never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. Never, never, never. He never fails. He never gives up. He never calls it quits. Would you stand with us this morning? Psalm 121 is a beautiful reminder of God's unwavering faithfulness to his people. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I love verse 4. When I first I attended a Messianic synagogue, and a Messianic synagogue is a group, it's like a church of a lot of Jewish people who love Jesus. And so one of the songs that they sing is from this verse. Behold, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You'll never catch God asleep at the wheel. He doesn't slack off. He doesn't get lazy. He doesn't fall asleep on the job. He's not expecting you to do the impossible. He's just expecting you to be obedient and surrendered to his will and his timing. You see, the world is full of people who talk a lot about God but don't know him. They've never seen him do the miraculous, so they don't think that he does. But I've seen God move. I've seen God heal. I've seen God work miracles. Why? Because he is a good father and a faithful God. And if he's been good to me, he'll be good to you. I want you to take these moments this morning as we close our service in worship and thank God for his past faithfulness. Thank God for what he has done for you in the past and what he 
will continue to do. And if you have a promise from God, if you've been holding on to something, and you've been waiting for that to come to fulfillment, take these moments and remind yourself of God's unwavering faithfulness. Would you worship the Lord with us this morning?